Welcome back to the Cordell and Cordell and Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, CEO and Managing Partner of Cordell and Cordell. Every week, twice a week, we continue to bring you information relative to guys before, during, and after divorce. And of course, today is no different. Uh, keep in mind, uh, your case, your facts, your circumstances would dictate potentially different result. This is not legal advice. We don't want this to establish an attorney-client relationship because we want you to seek out that consult with an attorney who practices exclusively in family law, like Cordell and Cordell. If you want to have a consultation, you can check us out on the web at cordellcordell.com. We offer in-person and Zoom consults or the phone. Uh, you can do that at 866-DADS-LAW, 866-DADS-LAW. All right. Let's get started today. We're going to talk about experts, which is a, a great topic that we haven't really addressed in the 35 weeks of this pandemic that we've been doing these podcasts. And I'm joined by our Nebraska attorney, Jared Ahrens. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Jared, when, uh, let's talk about it. And I know I've got some ideas that I'm going to throw out, but when do you recommend guys should hire an expert and then we'll talk about the types of them? Well, before an asset can be divided or support can be entered, um, values and incomes must be established. Um, a lot of times that can be pretty straightforward. Other times it can be relatively complicated and subject to arguments, subject to dispute. So, so you might want to hire an expert of some kind to get to be on your side. Um, so if it's a significant dispute, um, you know, the values um, are, are much different or vary quite a bit on both sides or the incomes. We can't figure out what the party's incomes are. We're going to want an expert to go in and um, provide their opinion on mm -hmm. what it should be and, and take that to court or take that uh, for settlement negotiations. Because um, experts, you know, usually you think of them, they're gonna testify in court. And, and a lot of times that's the case, but they're also there to help facilitate settlement or they can offer recommendations and solutions at trial and or to, to, to resolve the matter. So there, yeah. there's a lot of benefits from, from getting an expert. I mean, I, I get it. You know, when you think about trying to explain to clients why they should have it, why they should spend the money, to me, it gets down to a he said, she said, you, you know, you, if you want and there's something of value and you're so significantly apart on something that's important, then you need to have independent third party, credible, cogent evidence to suggest to the judge why this value is more closely aligned to what you say. It could be a house. We'll talk about the types of experts, but uh, I'm a fan of them. I think it's easier than getting in an argument between husband and wife where the judge then perhaps has a skew of of perhaps truthfulness on one party or the other, uh, depending upon what you and how you present. Uh, you don't want your or the judge's opinion of you to skew the facts necessarily. Um, so I think it's it's really important to consider that and have that conversation early on. And there are a number of ways you can use it. And, and when we talk about the types here in a minute, um, I have some thoughts about it because I'm in the middle of one now with a business valuation mm -hmm. and we're, we're the potential of competing experts. So I have some ideas and thoughts on that. But uh, so when you think about experts, Jared, let's talk about the types. There's all kinds out there. There's things you can do, maybe roll down uh, some of these and let's talk about how you use them. Sure. Yeah. If, if uh, someone's income's in dispute, um, you're going to want to look at a vocational expert. Um, this vocational expert is going to review the, the, the opposing party's education, work history, income history, and going to look at the job market. They're going to go through that um, and determine what that person should or could be earning. You know, if they're unemployed or underemployed, or they recently took a pay cut, they voluntarily resigned, things like that. Because um, otherwise, it's can, kind of what you talked about. It's he said, she said. Um, yeah. an expert involved, the court's going to 
court's going to follow that expert as long as it's a credible expert, which right. sometimes you're, they are. You know, yeah, the vocationals, Jared, I think are huge. I'm, I've been a fan of those for the for 25 years. I've used them all along the way, uh, especially in a period like like in a down economy right now where unemployments are high. I mean, a client could say to you, Jared, hey, come on, we know she can get a job. Can I just go say that? The judge is going to know. I mean, what's judge going to do when you just go without it? Right. And judge might say, yeah, she can get a job, but he or she, she could, they could get a job, but what's that going to look like? How much, what's the income? Um, they're, Cause they're not going to know what that profession makes. They might have an idea, but there's no um, tangible proof of what that could be. So it's, again, it's up in the air. And judges can't speculate. That's one of the things they have to, to rule on evidence presented. And we all could agree, go get a fast food job. Well, what is McDonald's paying? Do we really know? We know what minimum wage is. We don't want to rely on a minimum wage. Uh, so the point being a vocational can come in under unemployment, underemployment, long-term homemaker, long-term marriage. Mom's been at home, but it's got a, you know, education, got some experience. You want someone to come in who like I've used this person here in the metro area here in St. Louis, who all the courts have admitted him. All the courts agree that he's got the right criteria credentials and his resume is good and they don't find him to be problematic. He's pretty independent and he'll tell you how it is and say, look, here's, you know, I can get this person a job. I've interviewed 15 employers are ready to hire her right now. Especially if you're facing a, a big maintenance spousal support claim. Uh, isn't that a, a great use for a vocational? Absolutely. It's huge for spousal support claims. Um, if someone's unemployed, underemployed, it's, it's almost essential to have a vocational expert. Yep. Uh, accountants. Can you yes. use them and how to use them? So another expert you might want to use for issues in regards to income or support is a forensic accountant. Um, and this is more than your, your regular accountant. Your regular accountant is going to compile documents and data. Um, this accountant is going to get more in detail and investigate um, a party's transactions. Um, they're going to go through, they're going to review bank statements, credit card statements, tax forms, 1099s, K1s, and get an idea of, so if someone's self-employed, they're going to go through and see what personal expenses are being paid through the business because that should be added back into income or considered as income for that, for that party. So, so they're important to go through line by line, determine what's, what's personal, what's not, uh, what's business related, what's not. Um, and so, so if it, a lot of times you're going to see that with someone self-employed, and those are those are good people to get to, to testify at trial um, to determine incomes. And then also, what they can do is maybe trace separate or premarital assets, which goes into another, you know, the property division. Um, but uh, there's a lot of value in a forensic accountant. Yeah, I've even had the forensic accountants go in. I mean, or generally just try to help me establish what the level of necessary expenses are. Looking through hey, here's what they've done in their marriage. And here's, I've looked through their bank statements and I've looked through her financial and here's actually what they've spent. And, you know, here's what I've determined after tax, which this person needs to, to, to support themselves based upon their own financial statement. And I uh, really help set the stage and assist the judge in reaching conclusions for those states that don't have a formula for spousal support. Missouri does not have a formula. I mean, you could present the same case to 10 different judges and get 12 different results. I mean, it's crazy. It's yeah, I'm glad you said that. So I practice in Nebraska, Iowa. It's the exact same way. And I tell people all the time, our toughest part of our job is to determine what's fair for spousal support because it's just it's court's discretion. Every yeah. judge can look at it differently. And there's factors the court, by statute, are, they're supposed to look at. But a lot of times, they're not even looking at those. They're looking at net incomes, 
yep. gross incomes and, and reasonable monthly expenses. Um, and that's they're breaking down ability to pay. Yep. And if it's if it's not straight salaries, it, it, it you might need to get an expert involved to determine what that what that looks like. And I think it's even more valuable now with the change in the tax code where spousal support's no longer income and it's no longer deductible uh, by the payor. And so it really, you're getting basically free money and, and it affects everything, especially child support. Our, even our Missouri, our chart was premised upon putting a maintenance number in it that was deductible and includable. And so now it's thrown everything off. They haven't revised the child support chart. Everything's thrown when you have support. So you really could benefit from an accountant who can come in and say, this is what these real dollars mean. And uh, so it's pretty interesting to, to kind of go through that analysis. For some dads out there, the coronavirus pandemic has become a pretext to limit access to their children. Other dads have been pushed out of key decisions affecting their children's lives. If you're one of those dads, Cordell & Cordell is here for you, as always, but with expanded services. We can meet you in person or by video conference on weekdays, evenings, or weekends. Our goal is to step up our service to meet your needs now. Business valuation, that's one I'm dealing with right now. Um, the other side's hired a business valuator. Uh, there's a question about whether or not I hire one. I'll talk about that in a second, but what would they do? So often these are also accountants um, that specialize in business valuations. Um, businesses are, are, are assets of the marriage. Um, so they're, they're a, a significant factor in any, in any um, division of marital estate. Uh, so a lot of times you almost have to have a business valuation to get to actually know what's being divided. Otherwise you're, you're going in blind. Um, you're going to, you look at the assets and, and debts of the business. And a lot of people think that's it. You know, I have no assets, I got no debts. But um, a business valuation is going to get into maybe like goodwill. What's the goodwill mm -hmm. of the business? Uh, you know, what's the value mm -hmm. of the name and the recognition of that business? You know, the, the person that owns it is going to say, I'm the business. Yeah, I'm the right. Business. But I mean, there's no business. Well, of course, they're going to say that. That's their biased opinion. So you, you want to get a third party expert involved to go through everything and determine whether or not there, there is value in that business. And, and if there's not, great. You, you've done your due diligence. And you've had an expert look at that, and now you can move on to settlement because you know that. But otherwise, um, you know, you, you don't know what kind of deal you're you're getting without that business valuation. Yeah. Um, and plus, I can tell you, when I hire a business uh, valuation expert, they are instrumental in trial preparation. Um, yeah, they'll tell me what to ask them on direct because I know a little bit, um, but I don't know nearly enough to to sound. Um, too, too versed in, in the business valuation world. So they tell me what to tell them on direct and they're also uh, gonna tell me what to ask their expert on cross, mm -hmm. which is huge for me. Um, it's huge for the client's case. So they're, they're very valuable. And you kind of talked about this earlier as far as the cost benefit analysis. And you know, initially it's like, look, I'm already paying an attorney. I don't wanna pay for that business valuation. Um, and you know, upfront, it's not fun, it's another cost, but in the grand scheme of things, um, it's, it's, it's definitely worth the time and, and the money to, to, to hire one. Yeah. I think, you know, what I'm dealing with now is, and I was talking to a judge and I've done this before, rather than having competing experts, you know, judges tend to, well, either I'll go one way or the other, or I'll just split the baby, which is just as bad. Mm -hmm. And as you alluded to, you know, if they have an expert use yours, not to come in and testify, but to rip apart their valuation. 
um, where I did this and I didn't bring an expert in, but I simply used our expert to tell me what to ask, just tore apart this valuation to the point where it was meaningless and useless. And the judge said, look, I have no evidence to suggest that this has any value. And so I'm going to assign zero, which was far better than what our expert would have come in and assigned a value to it. And so I think there's some, some you know, good ideas about saving a little bit of money, using them just as a, kind of a, an advisor, um, but it's definitely a necessary thing, especially if you have a business. For example, my client owns a business and we, we need it and it's got to have it because they've hired one. So it's just kind of one of those necessary evils. So real estate, obviously, uh, everyone has a value of the real estate. You know, husband says it's worth 100 and wife says it's worth 300. What does a judge do? So you hire an expert, right? Absolutely. You hire an appraiser. Uh, real estate appraiser, uh, the, the party wanting to keep the house is going to say it's low, and the party that's going to be out of the house is going to say it's high. And the only way to to, to um, remedy that is hire an expert. Each party will hire their expert. Um, usually, sometimes you'll get a joint appraiser. Um, otherwise, each will get their own. And and if that's the case, the court determines which one's more credible. More often than not, I'd say the court might divide it, but it's still worth it. And that's the thing too is these appraisers. Um, going back to cost benefit analysis um, uh, are usually relatively inexpensive for to get mm-hmm. the house appraised I'd say 300 800 dollars something like that and we're talking thousands and thousands of dollars so certainly worth it um, and they're gonna do comps you know comps in the neighborhood another thing that puts you at ease you know it's not something you, you you're gonna regret not um, getting it valued because you, you're gonna agree to something where you think you got um, the shorthand and uh, but you get that appraiser and you'll feel a lot better about your your trial outcome or your settlement. yeah absolutely i mean i think that that's probably one that i see more frequently than anything else that these real estate appraisers and it is it's an it's inexpensive gives you an idea especially now i mean markets cooled off you know before uh, things were going for ask or substantially more and maybe now's the time to hire an appraiser and see what your house is worth and use it. So as we round out kind of the, not the all-inclusive list of experts, but obviously one that's the most important here in our list is valuing um, retirement accounts, pension particularly, right? Yes. Um, I don't see these as often, but when it comes to pensions, it, it's usually important to, to get an expert involved on that as well because um, a lot of times pensions are going to have statements and it's going to mm-hmm. say, here's the value. Anybody that knows anything about pensions knows that's not the actual value. You need yeah. to get an expert involved to determine um, life expectancy, things of that nature. Um, typically, the court's just going to divide it uh, by percentage on um, the pension, it, it, especially if it doesn't know the value. Well, let's say you don't want to divide that pension. You want to do a cash payout. Well, you need to figure out what that looks like, what, what's, what's fair. And the only way to know if what's fair is getting an expert involved in, in determining what that pension's actually worth. Yeah. I agree. So, I mean, the pension, you know, whether there's so many complications with it, whether right now I'm dealing with um, police pension, there's so many variables. I was dealing with a judge who is in the federal system, uh, complicated, all these extra things, and we need to kind of have an evalu- a value because uh, it's not defined. And uh, so I think it is important to understand, and you don't want to under or overvalue it depending upon your perspective. So I think uh, that's certainly one to be considered. But I guess the moral of the story as we wrap up, Jared, is have that conversation be presented, you know, with these options, right, from your attorney? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you touched on it earlier, but lean on your attorney when, when trying to obtain these experts. because They should know the experts in the area that are in good standing 
um, and that uh, are universally approved by the local courts because that's huge. Um, it's yeah. that accepted. Their opinions have been accepted by that judge or that court or even used by opposing counsel in the prior trial because they're usually passed them out on, on direct. And if they can say, yes, I've been, I've, I've testified here in this court and you've, you've accepted my opinion, um, that's huge for your case. Yeah. I think the one, as you mentioned, is that you kind of walk dangerously, at least in this area, is child custody experts, psychologists who sometimes they're just hired mouthpieces and, and judges know it. So you got to be, you know, just that one particularly, you got to be careful on who you pick, as you suggest, making sure judges are familiar, they accept their opinions, they don't have a bias, they don't have a bad thought about them. There's a bunch of them like that. So, Jared, thanks for talking about the hiring of experts. I think it's a uh, uh, definitely important subject that should be discussed. As you said, lean on your attorney. So I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you. Well, continue to tune in uh, twice each week. We'll bring you a podcast just like this. Also virtual town hall coming up. Check it out. CordellCordell.com. You want to register for it where you can log in, uh, ask questions live of our panel of Cordell and Cordell attorneys and get answers right then and right there. So check it out. CordellCordell.com. Register for the virtual town hall coming up. Always stay tuned for our bi-weekly podcast as we're bringing that to you all the time. Until next time, have a great week.